there. I'm Amy Connell. Welcome to Graced Health, the podcast for women who want simple and grace-filled ways of taking care of themselves. And they just like to enjoy a little bit of chocolate in the process. At least I do. I am a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who wants you to know your eating, movement, and body don't have to be perfect. We just need to be able to do what we're called to do. I like to come on here at least once a month and give a solo episode where I kind of integrate uh, various areas of our health. So some of it is, of course, our physical, some of it is our spiritual, uh, and then some of it's our mindset as well. And I like to cover all of that in grace. And so this episode is something that has been brewing for a long time in my heart, and I have just been taking notice of the words that we use. Some of these are words I use. Some of these are words I have heard um, maybe others say or I've seen online. And then actually, some of these are conversations that I've also had with guests. In a couple episodes, we're going to be talking with a registered dietitian, and you're going to hear a little bit of the same threads with this, but I promise this was already, I had already planned all of this when I talked with her. So it was just great validation, if nothing else, that this is a conversation that's important to have. Now, just a little bit of a backstory. I, um, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I have a book coming out in November of 2021. So if you're listening to this pretty much when it comes out, you're going to be hearing a lot more about it. And just thank you in advance for your patience and for promoting it when you can, because I'm really excited about it. And when I originally wrote it, I had all of these different chapters that were kind of standalone chapters. In my mind, they were more like essays. And the basic premise of it was all of these quote unquote rules that we have heard in the health industry. And maybe it's from the industry. Maybe it's from our friends. Maybe they're rules that we have told ourselves. And some it might not be a rule, maybe it's a myth, but the the genesis of this was all of these things that we feel like we have to abide by. And then when I sent it to my first editor, she and I worked a lot on really reformulating the entire process of the book. And she said, Amy, you have got to really focus on the mindset start part first. And I tell you what, she was so fantastic. Andrea Barilla, shout out to you, because what she really did was help get the uh, entire flow of the book at a point where we can talk about the mindset, and then talk about some of the other rules that we need to be breaking within the health industry. I think in general, we are shifting our mindset about a lot of different things. And the what I'm really noticing is this reluctance or moving away from, in a good way, putting a label on or defining someone by something. The two examples that come to mind are autism. It used to be back when we were starting to become more aware of autism, we would say things like, oh, he is autistic. And then we started realizing, wait a minute, that is totally putting them in this container that is really just one part of who they are. And so now the more language is more something like he has autism. 
Same thing that Heidi Pollack educated me about with regard to suicide. If you listen to her, um, to that episode, I can't remember which one it was, but I'll put the link in the show notes. She educated me ahead of time that it's, we really don't want to refer to it as, oh, she committed suicide or he committed suicide. It's he died by suicide because that doesn't define them. It's just one aspect of who they are. Now, those are pretty heavy topics, and I don't mean to make light of them, but I think we should be able to take a page from that chapter of of the book of redefining some things. And I think that we need to shift how we think and talk about our bodies, about the way that we move and how we eat. And really, not only for us and the neurologic pathways that uh, Michelle Bankson talked about a few a few weeks ago, because when we start saying things over and over, that just makes those grooves stronger and stronger. But I think that it's important to do that for the people we influence as well. And yes, I'm primarily talking about our kids, because I think they are the most impressionable. But this also applies to our partners, our coworkers, and friends, and especially that group of people who might just need a friendly nudge to take care of themselves a little bit better. I think the reality is when we start describing or talking about our health in a negative manner, and I'm going to talk about those here in a minute, then why there's going to be sitting back going, well, why would I bother doing this? Why, why should I do this if this is your attitude toward it? So I want to give you five sets of impactful words that I just want to bring awareness to and maybe this isn't something that you need to change uh, right off the bat, but just kind of be aware of who you're talking with the words that you're using. And And along those same lines, are you using those on yourself? Because it's a lot easier to say really nice things about other people and give a positive attitude to other people. And it's sometimes a lot harder to do that to ourselves. So let's dig in. Okay, the first one, I have to work out. (laughs) Okay, now I understand that maybe it's not totally fair for me to say this because I actually enjoy moving. I enjoy exercising. I enjoy workouts. I enjoy gym stuff. I mean, like, so this is kind of unfair for me to say that. However, when we say we have to work out, then that's just kind of a negative aspect is really all it comes down to. One of the things that I really talk about some in the book and just throughout all of this is finding movement that brings you joy. The reality is we have a million different ways we can move. Um, I'm recording this in the middle of the Olympics. And so if you don't believe me, I don't even know how many events there are in the Olympics, but there's a lot. You can swim, you can participate in gymnastics, or, you know, that might be more like dance, because I mean, I'm not getting on a balance beam and doing a flip. I'm just (laughs) never could never will. Uh, But there's skateboarding, there are, um, there's triathlon, there's I mean, you, you name it, there's shot put, there's track and field, there's running, there's all kinds of different things. And that's because our bodies were designed to move. And I believe that we were all given different ways that drive us, that bring us joy. I mean, wouldn't it be a really boring place in this world if everybody just ran? Running is very natural, but that's just kind of boring. 
And also I would be out of a job, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But talking about have to work out really sets that mindset of this is something I have to do. Instead, let's think about, and maybe instead of the word workout, we talk about movement. And to me, movement really encapsulates uh, the more natural way that our bodies were uh, were designed. We were meant to move. There was a really fantastic book I read called The Joy of Movement by Dr. Uh, Mc- Kelly McGonigal. She's a PhD, fantastic researcher. She actually uh, also leads group fitness classes. And, re- and I tell you what, if you want to be inspired to move, go get this book. I also quote it a lot in my book because it was so impactful to me. So instead of saying to others or to ourselves, oh, I have to work out, let's talk about what we need. I recently told my husband, I said, my head needs to go for a walk. I have got to just spend some time and move and get in the fresh air. So instead of saying, I have to go for a walk or I have to get a workout in, it's, you know what, this is going to be good for my brain. My head needs to go for a walk. Or maybe it's, I've been sitting a lot today. I just need to get a little bit of movement in. And all of a sudden that shifts from something we have to do and from a negative aspect to something that's going to be beneficial and that we can see the value in it. Okay, the second group of impactful words. Good food, bad food. (laughs) Now, if you have listened to season six, episode three called Nutrition Lessons to My Teenage Self, I have talked a little bit about this before. Now, There may be times that we have foods that are more beneficial to us and less beneficial to us. But look, God made food. God put all of this food on the earth. And if I hear one more person say carbs are the enemy, I'm going to scream. Also a chapter in the book, by the way. There's no good food and bad food. I mean, does ice cream provide a really a lot of great nutritional value? It provides a little, right? We get a little bit of protein, a little bit of calcium, uh, but also some great fun nourishment when you eat it with other people. And when you plan for that, then it, maybe it's not going to have such a negative impact in your day. Uh, there are definitely foods that make me feel good. And there are foods that make me not feel good. And those foods for me are different than foods for you. So let's start paying attention to the how foods make us feel, how they impact our clarity, how they impact our sleep, how they impact our movement not workouts. (laughs) I still say workouts and exercise, by the way, but how they impact those things. And then we will have more beneficial and more valuable foods and not bad foods. Because the other thing is if we think, oh, this is it, this chocolate cake, this is such a bad food. Well, then what's that doing? And what message is that giving the people around us? And particularly, again, our kids. The last thing I want to do is create a bad relationship with my children and the food that they have. I don't want them shaming themselves. I don't want them feeling badly for having something. And they're starting to realize, look, when they have foods and they're like, oh my gosh, I do not feel very well after this. That's great. I want them to have those experiences because that's the kind of thing that will drive them in the future. And then when it's important, they'll know that they need to have God-given foods, foods from the earth, and maybe not so much Whataburger. Maybe. (laughs) But Whataburger, I would not say is a bad food. It's just a food that's not going to provide a lot of value. 
So let's stop saying good and bad foods and instead focus on how foods make us feel physically, how, how they make us feel emotionally, mentally, in terms of like clarity, how they help us sleep. And I think changing that focus to how the benefit that they can provide us, or perhaps the lack of benefit that will help with our relationship with food. Okay, number three, I have to work off my food. I have to work off dessert. Another chapter. Sorry, you guys, (laughs) I have to work off something and you know, oh, I've got it. I have to do this. Okay. So I'm not going to blow the whole chapter. But when we say I have to work something off, then number one, we are punishing our body for a decision that our brain made. If you have decided to dig into that chocolate cake, then dig in and enjoy it and then be done with it. And let's not get into this funny exercise calories in calories out math, because it is not one plus one equals two or one minus one equals zero. It, it is it is a lot more complicated than that. It also takes away the joy of just enjoying the stinking chocolate cake. I mean, just just enjoy it. Because if you've got in the back of your mind, like, oh, I have to work off dessert, then it's going to strip the joy out of it. Personally, I don't have chocolate cake every day, but I do enjoy, you know, I enjoy my Dove chocolate and other things besides chocolate, by the way. (laughs) You know, this also is, it also applies to my wine. I like to enjoy a couple glasses of wine with my husband on the weekends. And I'm not going to say, okay, I have to go work this off the next day. Because by the way, that is just a disaster waiting to happen. Don't have a whole lot of alcohol and then think I got to work this off because you will get injured. You just will. Maybe not immediately, but that kind of overindulgence and then trying to make that quote unquote right is going to catch up with you. So just enjoy it, plan for it and move on with your day and enjoy the moment. So you can read more about it later. I won't, (laughs) I won't get stuck stuck too much in that. Okay. The next uh, impactful word. Now, you know, this was coming you know, this was coming the word fat. So a couple things. Number one, Many of us have a very complicated relationship with the word fat. I don't want to discount that. I know that that can harbor up a lot of negative feelings, perhaps negative memories. Maybe it's something that is going on right now. And if that's the case, I'm I'm just, I'm so sorry. Like, I wish I could come and take both of your hands and say, let's change this. Let's reframe our mindset surrounding fat. There are a couple different kinds of fat too. But the problem is we have lumped all of the different definitions of fat into one thing. And in general, it's a very negative word, and it doesn't need to be and it's not supposed to be. There's dietary fat. This is the fat that comes in the food that we eat. Now, there are several vitamins, actually, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E that require dietary fat to be absorbed into your bloodstream. These are also the kinds of fats that provide really beneficial elements like omega-3s. So dietary fat is an important part of an overall balanced diet, which I feel like I sound like a cereal commercial, but (laughs) don't be afraid of the dietary fat. And I do think that if you are a, a child of the 70s or a 
you know, born in the 70s, like I am, give or take a few years, then you probably went through the fat free craze of the early 90s, like I did, and ate a lot of food that was not beneficial. We'll just call, call it that, that they took out the fat, they replaced it with sugar, this started kicking in the obesity epidemic. Don't be afraid of dietary fat. And in fact, the National Academy of Medicine uh, recommends that your overall distribution range is you that you ingest 20 to 35% of your calories from fats, and most of those from the what they call the healthy fats. So that's the monounsaturated and the polyunsaturated. And those are things like nuts, olives, um, olive oils, uh, fatty fish, like salmon, mackerel, that kind of stuff. So that's one thing, you know, like fat in food. Yes, good. Maybe not fat in Whataburger. Not so many, not so many of the monounsaturated, more of the trans insaturated. So, you know, the kinds of fat we have in our food do impact us and they will make us feel better or worse. But that kind of fat is essential for our body. Now, there's the other thing that is often called fat, and that is formally known as adipose tissue. Adipose tissue is what insulates your body. That is what will keep you warm. That is the primary means of energy source when you are just tooling about your day. When I'm standing here recording this episode, my body is converting because uh, I do have an empty stomach, my body is converting my adipose tissue to energy because that's the primary source of energy that your body uses when you're just existing on a day-to-day basis. It also controls your hormones. I mean, that is an important part. So our we do need to have a certain amount of body fat and that just may vary, period. Um, there is a lot of science out there that talks about health at any size. And I am really trying to find someone I'm trying to find a registered dietitian to come on and talk a little bit about that. But anyway, fat is not a bad thing. Why do we say fat is a bad thing? And let's not forget the way that we use the word fat in our language. Oh, I feel fat. Oh, she's fat. Oh, that person is fat. So again, number one, that's labeling. And number two, that's almost taking someone's size and determining something about them that may not be true. Now, I know that I probably don't need to harp on this too much because if you're listening to the show, you probably have a little bit of an awareness surrounding this language. But I do think it's really important to remember the language that we're using surrounding the word fat. Way back in season three, I had a counselor on Christina Kismar, and it was how to um, raise your daughter with a healthy body image or something like that. And she said something that was really impactful. That was, our children are paying more attention to what we say about ourselves and other people than we are about them. So let's just watch the words that we are using um, surrounding the word fat. And, you know, are we talking about ourselves? Are we talking about other people and how that might be impacting the people around us? And I'm not even saying just our children. I think it's helpful to have a little bit more positive language uh, around anyone that we're talking about. The final thing I want to focus on today is this phrase. And this might be a little controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway, because that's what I do. Wow, you look great. Have you lost weight? Okay, 
So this is tricky. I get it. Because when we start making changes to the way that we're moving and making changes to the way we're eating, we do want to feel good. And we are proud as you should be. If you have made some major transitions in your life, and your body is reflecting that and you're feeling good, and maybe your body shape is changing, then yay for you. Good, 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 good. I'm so happy. The thing I want to be cautious about, and I'm guilty of this too, by the way, I'm guilty of all of these. Um, These are all things that I have said and experienced. And so that's why I want to talk about them with you. But when we say, wow, you look great, what that does, and I've read some articles about this, but what that does is it kind of makes the person say like, well, what was wrong with me before? Now, maybe we weren't at the optimal place in terms of what we were eating and how we were moving and we didn't feel good. When we put this emphasis on looking great, then it kind of means, well, what's the opposite of that? Then it means that you you weren't great before. And more than likely, you were great before. You were great before, you are great now. So taking the emphasis off of what we look like, I think will help keep us from having the mindset that if I'm going to be great, I have to I have to lose weight or I have to be in a smaller body. Instead, what I try to do is validate the work and validate the effort. Wow, you've been in the gym a lot lately. I can tell. You're you're looking really defined or wow, your body's really changed. You must be working hard. And then it really validates what they've been doing, not who they are or what they look like. Thankfully, we are in a society that is trying to take um, trying to take the emphasis off of what we look like. And I do like this trend. I appreciate this trend. And what I don't want to do as a fitness professional is make someone feel like in order for me to value them, that they have to look a certain way because that is not the case. I want to honor any bit of work, any bit of effort that someone has and not put that success based off of how they look. I will admit this is coming from someone who has a little bit of a trigger when I see before and after pictures, because a lot of times I will see before pictures and I'm like, well, that's what I look like. So if I don't look like the after picture, then clearly I don't look good. So then I get in this whole mental spiral, then I got to take myself out of it. And it's just a whole big mess. So I just kind of try not to look at before and after pictures, to be quite honest. And I don't know if that's you or not. But again, it goes back to that, wow, you look great. And then kind of the unspoken thing is, and therefore you are better now. And that is not what we want to communicate. What we want to communicate is, wow, you've been working hard. Maybe it's, wow, you've got a glow about you. What are you doing differently? And then let them say that and then say, wow, good job. So I don't know. I hope that those make sense. And I I want to come at this conversation, I probably should have said this before we started, but I want to have this conversation in the most grace-filled way that I can. This is not a shaming of like, well, if you've been saying this, then you're wrong. And you might disagree with me on some of these. And if you do, 
number one, that's fine. I respect disagreeing attitudes and opinions about things. And number two, I reach out. I would love to have a little bit more of a conversation because I'd like to learn what you think. And I think that that's the best way that we learn is by talking to people who think differently than we do. So just a quick recap, the five sets of impactful words we don't want to be saying. Number one, I have to work out. Number two, there's good food and bad food. Number three, I have to work off dessert or whatever other food we're talking about. Number four, all things fat, (laughs) except I'm okay with you saying dietary fat, like that's an okay thing. And then five, wow, you look great. Uh, let me know what you think about those. I would I would love to hear your thoughts. Make sure that you head over to gracedhealth.com slash resources if you are looking for any support in your faith, your food, or your fitness. I've got all kinds of different things over there. And if you uh, would like to learn a little bit more about this mindset business and kind of what I was talking about earlier, I would love to for you to go over to yourworthybody.com. There's no W's in front of it, just yourworthybody.com. Sign up to be notified when my book comes out, it should be coming out in early November. And when you do, I'm going to give you three things, I'm going to give you a printable 14 day devotional, I will give you my family's on the go breakfast, protein powered breakfast, that these are things that I make for my family all the time. And then number three, a five minute wake up and warm up movement, we won't say it workout. <laughs> and this honestly is designed for you to do in your pajamas. I did not film it in my pajamas, because that would be weird. But you can do it in your pajamas. It's very gentle. It's just a way to get your body ready for the day, whatever God is asking you for to do today, and uh, it'll get you ready for that. Okay, that is all for today. Go out there and have a great day. Mm-hmm.